0: page uh, together. Uh, We are, as a congregation, reading through uh, the book of Leviticus now. Um, I had my map laid out through Ephesians, and uh, so I want to still preach that last Ephesians message. Frank came and he threw me off my schedule. Uh, So I want to still preach today's message, so I, I figure I'm the one who gets to make the decisions around here. Uh, so I, so I uh, figure you guys won't care if I spend one more week in Ephesians. Next week, uh, I have Taylor Long coming to preach for us. Um, I'll be here, uh, but I thought after a week of camp, I'm just going to come to church. So, uh, so I, I set that up to have Taylor come and share a word of encouragement with us. And so that's kind of the roadmap ahead. So know that next week Taylor's coming. Uh, be in prayer for us uh, throughout the week. If you think of think of us, think of the kids and, and be praying last year, you know, you don't know what to expect. We got like the storm of the century on Sunday night last year. Uh, like, you know, the, all the colors on your radar, like we got a color I never saw before that first night. And you wouldn't believe the amount of rain uh, that came down. Like, if you see that color, it was like white or like It was crazy, like that pinkish one, and it was, uh, you know, so the kids were crying in the corner, and I was there with them crying too, you know, it's like, we'll get through this, I swear, you know. Uh, So you just never know whether it's the things that children come with uh, from home life and and trauma and different things, or just things like Mother Nature uh, doing its thing. Uh, There are so many sort of hurdles and things that happen throughout the course of a week, and and your prayers are certainly cherished uh, for that. Uh, so uh, today, this morning, I just I really want this to be a very encouraging message for you, uh, for all of us to know who we are in Christ. And we've walked through the different postures that we have in Christ. We are seated with Christ, who is, who is seated with God, and we are there with Him, and all things are under Christ. We share that we kneel before God our Father, and we approach Him, with confidence and freedom, knowing that we can go to God uh, in our prayers, knowing that we have access to our Father in Heaven through Christ. Last week, I encouraged you that we are called to walk with Christ and to serve Him. We serve one another and we serve the world. Today, I want to speak with you about our final posture, and that's the posture of standing. Uh, To open, uh, open our message on Ephesians, I want to actually read to you from some of the book of Ezekiel. Not a book that we often preach from very, very much. But I want to give you a picture. So at the very beginning of e- Ezekiel, it says, In my thirteenth year in the fourth month on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kebar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. And it goes on to do this very grandiose uh, picture of God and heaven and there's uh, winged animals and creatures moving and all sorts of incredible things and glowing metal and things full of fire and all of this. And he says at the end of chapter 1, he says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So when he sees the splendor of God, when he sees the glory of God, this is his response. When I saw it. I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. So Ezekiel's response to the powerful presence of God and the glory of God is for him to fall down in worship and prayer. And then it says in the start of chapter 2, He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me, and he raised me to my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. We've spent the book of Ephesians discovering the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ. And our response has been to fall on our knees before God, to sit with God, to see the beauty and love of Jesus Christ and realize all of his reconciliation, all of his grace, all of the peace that he's given us. We even then move from being seated to kneeling before him. And now today, I believe that the Spirit's message, when it gets inside of us, will raise us up to stand with Christ, to stand on the promise of Scripture and the promise of who Christ is. And so today, the posture is to stand with him. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you so very much, and it's been good to walk through the book of Ephesians, to remind us of your faithfulness and your grace and your righteousness, to reassure us, God, that in a world filled with pain and hurt, that there is one that we can trust in you, that we have life in you, that there is peace for us, that we have uh, for us each day forgiveness of our sins. God, you have compelled us from different postures in our life to realize that we are seated with you, resting with you, realizing, God, that we fall down before you in prayer, knowing that we also don't go anywhere without you, that as we walk and live this life, we walk with Christ, and he is with us, and we serve one another, and when we serve one another, we serve you and glorify you. And so, God, as we think about being the church and all that we're called to be, and Lord, we take up the challenge today to stand. And we are needing reminders and encouragements that we can stand confidently. And so I ask God, as you raised up Ezekiel to stand, that your same spirit, your same spirit that was at work in Ezekiel and his message and ministry, the same spirit that was at work with Abraham, the same spirit that was at work with Moses, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would be the spirit that raises us up to be the church you've called us to be, to bless and care for and love one another, to be a light in this world. May the message of hope and salvation in Jesus Christ, not just echo in these walls, but may they be on our voices and in our lives and in our hearts, and may people know that there is life in you because of what you do in us right now through your Spirit today. We love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name, Amen. I had sat down to uh, start writing this message, had done the studying and did the work, and kind of had a sense of what I wanted to do with the message. And I got a phone call from my brother Joel. He only calls me if there's a problem, and so I was like, eh, I better answer it, and, uh, and I'm really, really, really glad I did. Uh, so Joel works for an organization, and I, I got to be careful how much I share. I don't want to get him in any trouble, but I'm, I, I'm sure my sermons will travel far and wide, and it'll all come back, right? Um, uh, so he works for an organization in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's called Servant Center, and Servant Center services... Uh, the high-risk, at-risk people in their community that are often homeless. And they have uh, mental illness. They have uh, severe handicaps that have created situations in their life that they are incredibly vulnerable and people often take advantage. And so most of his clients are homeless. All of them are battling some, some form of sickness, disease, or Uh, or problem. Uh, Some of it self-inflicted, some no fault of their own. And so he is ministering on the margins of society and working with things that are just incredibly difficult. And so he's been doing it for a few years now and I'm just so incredibly proud of him. I don't know how he does it. I mean this is the same kid that sat on my mom's lap until he was 18. Um, So (laughs) I'm always startled at his uh, ability to, uh, to navigate some of life's um, most demanding things and difficult things. So he called me, and he said, I'm a, I need you to pray. I was like, well, what's going on? And, you know, share with me what you can. And he said, well, I have a client, and uh, I have to go into his apartment again. I was just there. And uh, his his client is schizophrenic, and he said, I went to check in on him because he hadn't been getting his medicine. And so he's, a, he's his guardian, so he's responsible to help get him his medicine. And so he's, he's like, I, I, I went in to go find him, and uh, people have taken advantage of him to the point where there's six, seven, I don't know how many people living in his apartment and half of them were strung out on drugs lying on the floor and he said i have to go in and get them out and uh, and so i said well, that that definitely seems like something we need to pray about and he got some help and he got some support and he went in there and i just i was just taking time to pray with him and i just said well let's let's definitely pray And I had just been studying about the armor of God. And I thought, you know what? I think that I just need to pray and remind Joel that he's going into this situation with the armor of Christ enveloping him. That he can go and be confident of who he is in Christ and face these circumstances. By the time he got back there, he said that one of the people had OD'd and they were dead on the on the floor. And he was able to get uh, his client out safely and solve some of the problems that were going on. When I went to see him this just this last Friday, he had another emergency situation with the same individual. And so, if you just pray for Joel every once in a while, like, Man, I I complain about how hard a week at camp is. Um, Day in and day out, he's facing these challenges. And I think about our lives. We may not face things that dramatically or that often. But every one of us are trying to navigate a world that is changing on us rapidly. Uh, We feel like we get a sense of how things need to be and and how they should go and, and, you know, we realize how very little control we have over our circumstances, over our life and the things that happen to us, things that happen to our, our kids or our grandchildren or to our adult parents. And we try to navigate our lives and we try and think, God, I, I really want to really hold on this. And it seems like it's ever elusive to have the peace and comfort that we all sort of long for. And so we deal with personal conflict, we deal with family conflict, but then we look at the world and we, we, see, we see evil just running rampant, and the things that are happening, things that are on the news cycle, the war, the sicknesses, the cancers, the, uh, uh, all of the things that are just seems like absolute nonsense, and how people could think things are true that are just not true, and, and you feel... You know, I'm 38, and I feel like I'm a grumpy old man. I was talking to Joel, and I, I said, you know, the more time, the, more, the older I get, the more I hear my dad and my mom coming out of me. I was like, are you having that experience too? And he said, yes, a little bit, but you're worse than me. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so I just, you know, am I the old grumpy guy on the lawn and yelling at everybody? Or I probably am, but, uh, but the world's changing. And evil, evil seems to be working mightily. And it's hurting so many folks. I spend uh, time ministering to kids and they tell me their stories. And you hear about the conflict and the hurt and the suffering that they have just in their home. Broken homes, drug problems up the wazoo. We hear these things. And what do we do? What do you do as an average church attender sitting in a pew on a Sunday morning? What do you do? We're given options, I suppose. You could be a keyboard warrior for Jesus. I've seen that play out. It doesn't seem to work very well. You could stand out there on the corner and start shouting about who Jesus is. I don't know how well that works either. You can just keep to yourselves in your home and not bother anybody. I'm not sure that that helps very much either. What's, what works? What works to face the devil's schemes and the evils that are in the world? What, what actually helps? What are our options and I think Paul tells us what our options are and he's been building it throughout all of this book and I just want to remind you again our journey and the outline of Ephesians the outline has been that we would understand our posture in Christ and it's when we're seated in him that we realize that Christ is under control is in control the world gets a lot easier to deal with and understand when we, under, when we know who's actually in control and who actually has won. How much pressure releases off of your shoulders to fix everything when you realize it's Jesus' problem? He's going to handle it, and he's faithful and good. And that's a good reminder here while you're sitting down with... Uh, with fellow Christians and friends, but what happens when we're in the hospital, and what happens when uh, there's, you know, a bad circumstance or a thing that happens, and you're just kind of like in a whirlwind. Uh, today, I was flustered, and I was trying to get everything ready. I thought I had everything ready for camp to go, but I, I don't. Turns out I don't. need to wrap this sermon up so I can get done, right? And I was like in a frantic, like I was chilling out yesterday. Man, I was in a good mood. I was like, man, I'm all set for camp. And I woke up this morning like, man, I'm not all set for camp. And uh, the air was just so crisp and cool this morning. And I just needed to sit down. And I had that sweat brow thing going on because I was stressing out. And I just needed to sit with Jesus and rest with him and realize he's in control. It's God's weak camp. It's not mine. And how many circumstances in your life would just be solved if instead of frantically trying to fix problems, you would just sit with Jesus? That you would sit with him. And usually the sitting down, I end up talking to him, and I realize that the right posture is to fall before him and kneel before him and worship him and, and praise him and thank him for what he's done. And then, and then I'm willing to serve and walk and do what I need to do because I know that he's with me in what he's done. But Paul says for us, this, I think this is what works. I think this is what, when we think about the world and the problems and the struggles and everything that we face, it's Ephesians 6.10 that is this sort of guiding word and comfort to us to say, that we can be confident in who we are in Christ. He says, finally, in verse 10 of chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 10 of Ephesians, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people, and pray also for me that whatever that whenever I speak, words may be given, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador and changed. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. When we consider our position in Christ we realize that we stand in Christ and we stand not in our strength, but in the strength of the Lord. This is God's armor encompassing us. It's Paul's words taken from Philippians 4, 13, uh, you know, the one that we hang on our wall and rip from context. And when he says, he says, I know what it is to have plenty and I know what it is to be in want. You know, Paul of all people, he can tell us He can tell us that I can do all things through him who gives me strength because Paul, he's been shipwrecked, and Paul's been in prison, and Paul has been poor and broken and suffering. He's been lonely. He has experienced great suffering and pain. And he says, I have experienced great blessings in my life. And no matter what circumstances I face, I know that I have strength in Christ no matter what I face. And I think he's saying that for us here again, and he says it all over the place in all of his writing that we have strength in Christ. Sometimes I feel like when I put on the armor of God, I have to do all of the fighting, but when I put on the armor of God, I realize that God's fighting the battle, that God has won the battle, that God is the truth. God is what gives our armor its power. When we consider each aspect of it, I would like to spend weeks and weeks on each of these, but we'll have to kind of work through them just sort of quickly and just reminders of what we have and who Jesus is. It starts with truth, that God is truth, that it's all held together with the belt of truth. We live in a world now, for the last 50 years, we've been hearing a message that truth is relative. We've seen where truth being relative has gotten us. But there is a steady, firm, true line running the course of history, and that is that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of the world. There is no greater truth. Pilate himself, he says, what is truth? To Jesus in front of his face. If you don't see Jesus' truth there, friends, we need to keep the baseline, the baseline, the cornerstone, the cornerstone, the foundation, the foundation, and it's Jesus Christ. He's the one who holds all of it together. He's the truth, and all truth comes from him. In a world where the devil schemes and his play has always been for us to doubt the truth, doubt in who we are and whose we are, let the gospel of truth, of who Jesus is, be what holds us together. Then uh, the next uh, is Christ's righteousness is given us to share with the world. We have the breastplate of righteousness. It's what guards our hearts. It guards who we are. When we speak of righteousness, we need, not, we need to understand that righteousness is both the sort of right living and the obedience of the commands, but it's also this designation of your being made right and holy with God. That when Christ looks to us and what we wear around us is not is not the... Uh, we don't wear... We don't wear the the culmination of all of our good deeds. We wear the culmination of Jesus' ministry and his righteousness and his goodness. We wear him. We are clothed in Christ. And so we go into the world knowing that we hold justice and mercy and kindness and grace and forgiveness and love, and we carry that with us wherever we go. And so you might be wondering, what, what do I do with this? How, well, I don't want to be the, I don't be the <laughs> jerk on the corner shouting, Jesus is the truth and all of you all are going to hell. But if we don't wear the righteousness of Christ, then the hypocrisy pours forth and our proclamation of Jesus being true and they look at the falsehood of our lives. We need to bear the love and mercy and righteousness of God on our, on our lives. And so be righteous and kind and gra- gracious, gracious, and carry with you the clothing of Christ and His mercy and kindness that goes with you. Proclaim truth in love. Proclaim it with grace, and let the world know of Christ's love for them. We are armed with good news. There are sometimes I spend with time with Christians, and I wonder, do you, are you aware? That Jesus brought good news, not bad news. The more time you spend with some of the folks. So all you hear are the bad things. There's good news. And your feet bring the good news to the world. And the good news is that God has broken forth into the darkness. And he's brought the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God has come. And Jesus Christ, who's our king. And you get to share that with the world. That there is a kingdom that's far greater than any kingdoms we've experienced here. There is a king who is far more righteous and far more good and far more worthy of our praise and adoration and allegiance. And so we give it all to King Jesus. And we give all of our lives to him and we make that known. What's the good news that comes from our lips? Have you shared the good news lately? Have you shared good news with folks who are facing poverty and brokenness? Have you shared the love of Christ for your coworker or friend going through a lot of hardship? Are you praying for them? Are you letting them know, "Hey, I'm praying for you and I hope that God, I hope that God shows up in a big way in your life and you would know that God loves you and cares deeply for you." This book is about encouraging us not to hide away in our homes and not to be not to be outspoken so much as that we would be ambassadors of God's goodness in this world through His love and through His grace that surrounds us. You are armed with God to go against the devil's schemes that's scheming away and the darkness that seems like a tidal wave at times. How do we, you know, it's like you think of uh, Typhoon Lagoon in Florida, you on know, the big wave that comes crashing in, you probably have never gone there. It was the greatest thing ever when I was in fifth grade, and it was like, Typhoon Lagoon, yeah, 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 and there's this huge wave comes crashing in. just knocks you flat. But how much easier it is to stand there when you have your dad holding you. When we think about the armor of God, let it be that we have Christ's strength holding us firm that we have his righteousness, that we have his truth, that we have his gospel, the same gospel that Jesus preached, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, is the same message that we preach, further validated with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ascension, with his spirit in us and proclaiming that his spirit and his word are, is in our lives and on our mouth. And it's this helmet of salvation, this helmet of deliverance that you yourselves have. This reminder of the source of your life and the deliverance that you have, that you are forgiven, that you have new life, that death does not have its victory over your life, that sin is forgiven. You have been saved through Jesus Christ, through his faithfulness, through his love for you. You have life in him. Friends, this is the armor that you have of salvation, of righteousness, of truth, of this good news for the world. And so you start wondering where I started and you think, what do I do? What do I do? I can't fix all the problems in the world. I can't fix what's going on down the street. I can barely barely fix the craziness in my own home what do I do? Well, we take Paul's words very seriously and we're going to take them very literally today. We're going to stand. So please stand. Half of you are listening. That's good. Oh, somebody. All right. We're standing in Christ. And I want you to hear the scripture again and we're going to close with Paul's prayer because here's what it is what do we do in this world I think we start standing for Jesus again man he's gotten a lot of bad publicity people have forgotten how good he is but you know how good he is you know how good he's been to you Would you stand for Christ? Would you stand with Christ? Would you stand in His mighty power? I'll read over the train. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you You wear the faithfulness of Christ. No matter what evil comes, no matter what slander is said, no matter what hardship comes, Jesus' faithfulness is greater than it all. You stand in his faith, he stands with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray now in your spirit and on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And so, Lord, we are alert, and we always keep on praying for each and every one of us. Lord, all of the Lord's people, for not only our church, but every church in our community and churches the world over, Lord, we pray. We pray that whenever we speak, that we may speak words of Christ and his love, that we may fearlessly make known The mystery of the gospel, for which we are all ambassadors, for which we are all servants. And so God, help us today to take time to sit with you, to kneel before you and worship, to walk with Christ and to serve one another. And God, after we've served and loved and walked and sat and prayed, would your spirit lift us up? Would your spirit be what holds us together? Would your spirit strengthen our stance in this world to be ambassadors, to be little light posts of your kingdom wherever we go? God, not so that we can bludgeon people with truth, but to bear their burdens of their brokenness, to share of your love, to be a beacon of light and hope. God, would your spirit help us to stand and stand firm, always and forever. May we know of your love and your grace today. We praise you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.